On this episode of the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast, I'm setting my 2023 goals and intentions for the garden with you. I'm so excited. I've been dreaming of spring all month. Now it's time to put those dreams into action. My 2023 intentions will hopefully inspire you to start putting some goals out there for your garden too. Let's dig in. Hey Zone 9 Gardener, did you know that where you live, you can grow gorgeous vegetables year-round? In the Wild Child Garden, we harvest 52 weeks a year. There's no need for cover crops, never a time where we can't plant something, and there's always room to add beauty to our garden space. I'm going to inspire you to turn your garden into a Wild Child Garden right here on the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast. When I sat down to contemplate my 2023 goals and intentions for my garden this year, I wanted to make this something that I could share with you to hopefully inspire you to do the same for your garden. I say it like this all the time inside the Kitchen Garden Academy, overproducing, overperforming, stunningly beautiful gardens that have few pests, less disease, and no weeds don't just happen, but underperforming, underwhelming, frustrating gardens that are full of weeds, overrun by pests, and constantly struggling against disease do. That's just the facts. I learned this several years ago, and I've never looked back. Making a plan for your garden is one of the very best ways you can set your garden up for success for the coming season. And by not setting intentions for your garden, you're almost certainly setting your garden up to be a little less than what you hope for. That's why I want to do this podcast, because I want you to see how important it is to really sit down and not just dream of spring, but to also set realistic goals and intentions that you hope to achieve this garden year. I'm going to be picking up today with where we left off in episode 15, It's Time to Dream of Spring. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back and check that out. In that episode, I talk about sort of how I kind of get my garden juices flowing. How do I look at my garden for the first time in the new year? And I always start by looking back. I always start by looking at what I loved in my garden in the previous year, what I learned. And then I start looking forward. And I look to what I'm leaning towards for this year. What do I really want to see out of my garden this year? That's where we're going to pick up today. What are we leaning towards? What do we hope to accomplish in 2023? This is such a fun, fun time. And there's really not a whole lot going on in the garden. So you've got a little bit of time to play with. In the Wild Child Garden Club right now, we are on autopilot. Our gardens are growing themselves. We go out once every few days and pick, and that's about it. We've got collard greens, Swiss chard, kale, Brussels sprouts, and carrots, and lettuce coming out of our ears. And she's really growing herself at this point, and it's so exciting. Gives us a little bit of time to turn our attention to what's coming next. In the wild child garden, we're always planning. We're always planting. We're always picking. Right now, it's so much fun to plan, and I can't wait to do it with you today. So what do I want to get out of my garden in 2023? What do I hope to accomplish in my garden this year? Well, a lot. 
I want my garden to do even better than it did last year. I want to try new varieties. I want to grow more. I want to see fewer weeds, less pests, less disease. I want my garden to grow itself earlier. I want to pick every single day from my garden for my supper table. Those are typically my run-of-the-mill intentions of the year. But I have a confession. I tend to be a little bit of a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do garden coach. While these are the exact things I teach the gardeners that I coach inside the Wild Child Kitchen Garden Academy and Wild Child Garden Club how to do, I find that I don't always listen to my own advice. That's one thing that I hope to change this year. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you feel like you always sort of know what to do, but doing it is a whole different ballgame. That's why I would love to have you inside of the Academy. Because as much as I'm a do as I say, not as I do, let me tell you, I have a lot to say. And I make sure the gardeners that I coach are accountable. I hold their feet to the fire and help them get the results they want. And they do. Season after season. This year, I want to be just as over the moon about my garden as they are about theirs. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my garden, but I've found in the last couple of years, I have gotten into sort of cruise control. I don't want to do that this year. I want to dream big. I want to think about my garden in a different way. I want to see it more. I want to see more of everything. I want to harvest more. I want to try more varieties. I want to find more space to grow. And I want to do things that I've never done. This is going to be an exciting year, but it all starts right now. Once you have your dream, you've got to make that dream turn into reality. And the first step is your goals and intentions. And this is not a step that you should skip. And if you want to know why, I'll tell you why. I teach this inside of the academy. When you skip this step, what you do instead is you haul off to the nursery on the first Saturday of good weather. Typically, you're in good company and everybody else in town is at the nursery too. You're picking over leftovers. You're getting plants just because they have them. You're not giving any thought, rhyme or reason to why you're getting what you're getting. You're just buying plants because it feels good outside and the sun is shining and you want a plant. Typically when we do this, We end up with overcrowded, underperforming gardens, which lead to frustrating and discouraged gardeners. Take the time right now to set your intentions, to make those differences, those tiny little differences that I'm going to share with you today that will make you a much more successful gardener. And hey, If you want some accountability, I'm hosting a free five-day challenge to take your garden to the next level. It's called Garden Like a Wild Child, and it starts tomorrow. Join me. It's a five-day challenge. It's completely free. I'm going to take you through the wild child gardening method and show you how to transform your garden from underperforming to overproducing, and then I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. Don't miss out on this. You can get all the information if you go to my website, at www.releaseyourinnerwildchild.com 
or visit my Facebook page, Wild Child Kitchen Gardens. Everything you need is there. And this five-day challenge is there too. Join us. You won't be sorry. My first intention for 2023 is to get my timing right. Every year, I really work hard to map out my timing of my garden and map out exactly how I'm going to do everything and when this is going to get planted and when this is going to get harvested. And then every single year, life gets in the way. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've never even thought about timing before. Let me explain to you how important timing is. In my Success with Seeds course right now that we have going on, the doors are closed to that course, but there are over 700 gardeners in it with me. We are starting our seeds for spring. Now, do you have to start seeds for spring? Absolutely not. But this is a fun, separate hobby, which is why we do it in its own little group, because not everybody wants to start seeds, and that's totally okay. But if you do decide to start seeds, you've really got to nail down your timing, and you've got to stick with it. Here's why. Tomatoes must be started eight weeks ahead of plant date. So what's your plant date? That's your last frost date, right? So if your last frost date, like mine, is March like 12th, then you've got to have your tomatoes planted by January 12th. That's eight weeks. The reason is, is because if they're too small to be planted out on March 12th, then you're going to have to wait till March, I don't know, 25th, maybe April 1st, to plant your tomatoes. Here's what that means. That means that by the time your tomatoes are getting up and going and starting to flower, the temperatures are more than likely going to be heated up in South Louisiana. That means that you're going to get less flowers. Less flowers mean less fruit. But guess what? The fruit is still going to take a long time to be ready to pick, giving those pests more time to move in. Whereas if you would have just started your seeds eight weeks in advance so that you could have planted them out the beginning of March, you would be picking tomatoes before the pest ever make it to your garden. Timing matters. In the same exact way I think about pumpkins. Nobody thinks about growing pumpkins until the kids go back to school. Am I right? Here's what happens. You plant all your pumpkin seeds when the kids go back to school. Everything starts feeling like fall and you plant your pumpkin seeds. Well, at that point in the season, the pests are totally out of control and you really can't plant anything that might send pests to your area because they're already so, so bad. So you plant your pumpkin seeds if they make it, if the pests don't eat them alive. You get some flowers and you get some pumpkins. The problem is when you start getting pumpkins, it's typically after Halloween because pumpkins are 100-day vegetables. If you don't start them till mid-August, you're not going to get them until mid-November. That means you'll be lucky to have a pumpkin for Thanksgiving. That is so frustrating, right? Not to mention you have fought off the pest to get this pumpkin and then it's not ready for Halloween. You have to wait until Thanksgiving. Sometimes one year, I remember some of the Wild Child Garden Club growers that I coach didn't start their pumpkin seeds on time. And lo and behold, they ended up with snowman pumpkins is what they called them. They stacked them three high and painted them white because that was all that they could do with them because they didn't get pumpkins until December. Timing matters. And this year, I want to set aside 
good quality study time so that I can make sure that my garden club and the gardeners I coach inside the Kitchen Garden Academy are set up to succeed. We're actually pushing the envelope a little bit this year and we're going to be planting earlier than normal. That's because last year we had a really hard season with stink bugs and squash vine borers and we're hoping to really get ahead of them this year and we've got some tricks up our sleeve We've been working on timing a lot, getting us ready to set up these gardeners for success. And timing is one of those things I want to get right. I want to really be that gardener that gets her crops in and gets them out. Like the gardeners I coach do. (laughs) This season, I'm hoping I can catch up with them. So that's the first thing. I want to be succession planting too. Timing with successions is so important to me. And Rarely do I get to do it as well as I want to. This season, that is my top intention, is my succession planting. I want to get my timing right. I want to do some scheming. I want to bend the rules. I want to start earlier. I want to pick earlier. I want to take out earlier. I want to get my timing right. That's my first intention. And it's my most treasured one. It's the one that I'm going to work the hardest towards. Because... I know that it works. I know that it's important. I see the gardeners I coach who follow the calendar that they get every month that tells them exactly what to do all month long. I see them succeed. I want to be right there with them. I want my timing to get short up this year. And I know that it will. My timing's already really good, but I want it to be better. This is my year. My second thing I want to do was my goal last year. I didn't reach it. This year, I want to have cherry tomatoes on arches from spring to frost. This is something we did last year in the garden club, and it was so fun and so beautiful. We planted our cherry tomatoes on our arches for the do-over season, which if you don't know what the do-over season is, it's the best season of the whole garden year in South Louisiana because we get a second spring, which is sort of like late summer. But we get to start over again, and it's really, really fun. And if you choose the right varieties and you get your timing right, you can have sometimes an even better harvest in the do-over than you had in spring. It's really, really fun. So we did our cherry tomatoes on arches for the do-over season, But we just didn't, they didn't have enough time to really cover the arches completely before frost came. Now look, we harvested serious cherry tomatoes in the do-over season. And some of the gardeners I coach were actually giving away big freezer bag Ziplocs all the way up until frost. But for me, I wanted it to be a little more aesthetic. I love the aesthetic in the garden. I wanted those arches to be wild and crazy for fall. See, that is one of my overarching umbrella goals for my garden that I have every year. And it's the beauty of my garden. In the spring, I want all my flowers to be pinks and purples and blues and whites. When we get into the summer, I love that late summer sunflower. I love that calendula that starts to really take off. And when we get to fall, I want to see oranges and yellows and maroons. This goes perfectly 
with my tomatoes on arches because what I can do is I can have some of those dark, beautiful purple Brides Atomic grape tomatoes or I can have some of those light yellow Berries Crazy Cherry tomatoes and they'll just be everywhere all over my arches. So this year I want to plant them earlier so that they're more full when I get to fall. That's my goal for my cherry tomatoes this year because I loved it last year and it was so fun. And I, again, watched all the gardeners I coach who listen to what I say harvest these beautiful cherry tomatoes off of these full vines. And a lot of them had this goal last year. When I introduced the cherry tomatoes on arches, a lot of them um, set their goal to be that they would have an arch that was completely engulfed in cherry tomatoes and they succeeded and it was beautiful. Another one of my goals for my arches is my mini pumpkins. I love them and I want to make sure that I again time it properly to where my mini pumpkins are loaded on an arch right whenever fall starts to come around. I want to see lots of mini pumpkins. I want to see lots of big pumpkins. I want to see lots of sunflowers, lots of mums, lots of calendula out there. And timing, again, is going to pay a big, big part of that. So I don't want to skimp that over. I don't want to get busy in my spring garden and not start these seeds for fall like I should. So again, timing matters. If you want one of these gorgeous, easy, overproducing gardens, you got to pay attention to time. So also on my arches, one thing I did last year that a lot of gardeners I, gar I grow with did last year was we did cucumbers in the do-over season too. And we did them on our arches and believe it or not, they did so much better in the do-over season than they did in spring. And so a lot of times you think about an arch and all you really see is pole beans. You know, I feel like a lot of times that's the most common thing that people grow on arches. But I'm here to tell you, an arch is excellent for cherry tomatoes, baby pumpkins, and cucumbers. And this year, that's what I'm going to plan to grow on them. I can't wait. I'm super excited about it. And I'm going to get my timing right this year so that it can really be as good as it can be. Now, my third intention is actually something I did this year that didn't work. Again, I tell you all the time, my garden is the wild child test garden. I'm always looking to see what I can do and how I can change things up for the gardeners I coach. And one of the things I tried last season was I tried my very favorite little mini cantaloupe on an arch last season. They grew fine. They are very, very strong. This is the Charente melon, which is my favorite melon um, ever. It's a French variety that's just delicious. And it's a little mini melon, so it's, it's handheld. And they're super strong, so there was no issue with them hanging at all. The problem was their vines are not full, so they didn't ever look really beautiful. On the other hand, if you plant them in a raised bed, they sort of spill over the sides of the beds and gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. So I won't use arches for those again this year. That's one of my intentions is to move my melons back to my raised beds. I was trying to free up some space with them. It just wasn't worth it to me. I want the beauty of the melons as much as I want the melons. So I'm going to put them back in their raised beds. But along with melons, I want more of them this year. 
I love French melons. I love all the French varieties. They're absolutely delicious. They're beautiful. They're so much fun all summer long. I want more of them. I'm going to plant them earlier this year. And hopefully that will give me more of them. They're kind of like okra. They don't get up and going until it gets nice and hot. So it's a waste of space to plant them early. But I want to plant them a little bit earlier and see if I can get some more melons off of them. So I want more melons, but I won't be growing them on arches. This episode of the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast is brought to you by the Wild Child Kitchen Garden Academy, where you can learn how to create your very own beautiful backyard kitchen garden just in time for the spring season in an online work at your own pace course. In the Wild Child Kitchen Garden Academy, you will learn how to grow a year-round backyard kitchen garden in whatever space you have. I'm going to take you to school, garden school that is, to help you learn how to build your backyard dream garden, grow your backyard dream garden, and harvest from your backyard dream garden. That's right. The Academy takes you from planning to picking and every step in between, all from the comfort of your own home. This online program takes you through every step of the garden experience and will have you ready to harvest all season long. You will learn how to design your own kitchen garden, build your soil, plant the right plants at the right time, incorporate companions, and grow a healthy garden the right way so that you can harvest all season long. This program is intended to be created. This program is intended to be completed in eight weeks and you will be harvesting your favorite vegetables shortly after going to teach you all my tricks, show you all the ways we can bend the rules, and give you all the tools you need to succeed. I would love to have you in the program. We start February 6th. Join us at releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash academy. My next intention gets me so excited, and that's because it gets my husband excited, and rarely am I able to get him giddy about something in the garden. Now listen, he will do whatever I ask him to do, and his goal is just to make me happy. He is a sweetheart, but rarely can I get him excited about something in the garden. That is until we were having coffee on the patio a couple of weeks ago, and I started just talking about how I would like to expand our fruit that we grow, and he was all in. And we just got to talking about the different trees we would plant and where we would plant them and how it would look and what he wanted to do. And he got really excited about this idea of an orchard. So that is another intention of mine this year is that I really want to expand our fruit. We have pears, we have muscadines, we have figs right now. I want to add some peaches some Anna apples. They grow so well here. I want to add some kumquats in containers. I want to add Meyer lemons in containers. I want to add blueberry bushes, blackberry bushes. And all of this was sort of kind of out of reach for me, right? It's going to take a lot of manpower and it just didn't seem like something that was within reach. But when he was excited about it, it all became all of a sudden attainable. So exciting. I'm going to tell you what, if you're not gardening with your spouse right now, if you're not gardening with your kids right now, you are missing a beautiful, beautiful experience. I love getting a warm cup of coffee in the afternoons and walking out to the back of our property with my husband and just meandering around and dreaming. 
We've been doing this since we first got married and probably even before. I love it. It keeps us young. It keeps us excited. We'll be married 25 years this year. And to dream together is still one of my greatest joys. Dreaming about an orchard with him was really like box checked on even having one. It was just as good it felt like. I'm really excited to see how that's going to unfold this year. And growing fruit is really not difficult. It's intimidating sometimes, but it's not difficult. And I can't wait to grow fruit with him. I can't wait for us to have something in the garden that we can both be excited about. Now, listen, he'll eat everything out of that garden. But for him to be excited about something really, really was special to me. So I'm excited about growing fruit. For this next intention, I need you to use your imagination a little bit. This is something I do every year, and I think I don't do a terrible job, but this year I'm going all in. I'm going to be wild and crazy this year. I want to really think outside the box, up my game, get crazy on my flowers. I have been wowed by the risks that the gardeners I coach inside the Wild Child Garden Club are willing to take. And I want to be more like them. I want to plant flowers that I love. Every year, I plant the same ones. Zinnias, I love them. Marigolds, love them. Sweet alyssum, love it. I plant the same flowers every year. While there's nothing wrong with them, why can't I get crazy and plant a knockout rose in one of my garden beds? Why can't I do some ranunculus out there? What's wrong with some poppies? Some lantana? I know that sounds crazy, but I want to think outside of the box with my flowers this year. I feel like I have done a really good job of thinking outside the box in my vegetables, my herbs, but I play it safe on my flowers. I don't want to do that. I really want to think outside of the box. I want to up my game. You know why? Because one year we decided to think outside the box and we put a giant arch in the middle of our garden and we don't grow food on it. We grow a gorgeous Cecile Bruner climbing rose and it is stunning. And it's one of my favorite parts of the whole garden. So I wonder what it would take for me to take that train of thought into my beds. How could I not give too much space to flowers, but to also allow for some more beauty. Beauty that I maybe I've never thought about. What about some dwarf varieties? Or like we said already, some kind of out-of-the-box flowers that typically we don't see. That you're definitely not going to find on the nursery shelves. What if I just got crazy with my flowers this year? I'm always in love. I'm always drawn to gardens with gorgeous flowers. This year, I'm up in my game. That is an intention that's going to require my final intention. And I want you to hear me on this. And I want you to really, really stop what you're doing. Come back to me and pay attention to this one. This is the most important piece of the whole podcast today. What I want you to see here today is that all of those other intentions cannot happen if you're not willing to kind of go a little more snoop 
a little less Martha in your garden. Now, if you're in the garden club or you're in the Kitchen Garden Academy, you already know what that means. If you're not, let me share that with you. I teach these gardeners I coach and love dearly how to be a little bit of Martha and a whole lot of snoop. What I teach inside the Wild Child Garden Club and Wild Child Kitchen Garden Academy is that in order to have a thriving garden, you have to be a little bit of Martha, Stuart that is, and a whole lot of snoop. Doggy dog, that's right. <laughs> have you seen their reality show that came about during the pandemic? It's gold. They are the most unlikely pair of friends, but they create serious magic. That is what it means to be a wild child gardener. You have to fully embrace your Martha and fully embrace your Snoop. But here's the deal. You got to be willing to put one on the back burner as needed so that the other one can come about and take control. We start out as Martha and we tend and it's beautiful. Of course, everybody loves Martha, right? We start out as Martha and everything's beautiful and we do everything just so. But then there comes a point in the season where you got to shift and, and release your inner Snoop Dogg. You have to be able to come in. And it's not easy, y'all. It's not easy. And when you do it, you see the benefit in it. But it's so hard to do. you got to be willing to take out the cucumbers, even though they're producing. But you know they've got a virus. You know they've got that powdery mildew. You've been trying. You're not getting rid of it. You got to take them out so that something else can go in. You got to be willing to take out the okra, even though it's still producing. Got to be willing to pull up the tomatoes so that something else can come in its place. It's not easy to do, but it's what we do as wild child gardeners, because that is how it is the secret to how we have gardens that are easy to grow, that overproduce, and that are beautiful. If you're too much Martha, you baby things too much, right? You make things too perfect, too pretty. They're not allowed to really do with their thing. You can't part with any of them. Can't bear to prune one. Couldn't dare take off a sucker. If you are too much Snoop, you don't give anything a chance. As soon as something doesn't look right, you don't think it's right, you yank it up. There's a fine line between the two and it meets at amazingness. I want you to work hard at finding that balance between a little bit of Martha Stewart and a whole lot of Snoop Dogg. Because I know that when you do, your garden is going to grow like it never has before. It's the secret sauce, y'all. We'd love to have you inside of Garden Like a Wild Child. Head to my Facebook page, Wild Child Kitchen Gardens. Get signed up. It's totally free. It's a five-day challenge. It starts tomorrow. I hope to see you there. Have a great week. <music>